Baptist Church, let's stand together and turn to page 124. 124, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Now this is how we'll sing this song this morning. We're going to sing the first verse and the chorus, and then the, the second, third, and fourth, we're going to sing straight through without the chorus, and then on the fifth verse, we'll sing the entire verse and chorus again. Just follow me if you're not sure. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever ceasing, never over us all to reign on the third Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity high, prayer and praising all men raising, worship him God on high. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone cone tomb. On the fifth, glorious now, behold him arise, King and God and sacrifice. Alleluia, hallelujah, sounds through the earth and skies. Now the chorus. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a few moments, and uh, you've got to press the button on Hotel One there. Okay. And uh, we are going to do things a little differently this morning. If you have seen the bulletin, what we are going to be working through is just many of uh, the different ways that Christmas has been celebrated uh, down through the times up until our time. We're just going to pick some uh, different uh, places here. And of course, uh, where we're going to start is in uh, Matthew chapter 2. Uh, I've, I've had people over the years, and we're not going to spend time uh, defending the celebration of Christmas or not this morning, uh, but we've had many people say, uh, well, you really ought not celebrate Christmas. So much of it uh, goes back to the pagans and all of these things. Well, if you'll remember, when the night Jesus was born, God sent an angelic choir to announce to the shepherds and bring them the word. And the, what did those shepherds do? They went through all the countryside 
and, uh, and proclaimed the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I don't think we really have a problem doing that. And then about two years later, we have these wise men showing up. Now, tradition has them showing up the same night. Uh, but that'd be kind of hard to do since it took them two years to get there. Babies have a way of growing up. Amen. And, and we're glad about that. And, and yet, the thing I want us to start with as we look and think about these wise men is we have them coming to Jerusalem. And it says in verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now look at verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, do you think three wise men showing up on camels is going to upset the whole city of Jerusalem and King Herod? Mm -mm. He had dealt with all kinds of things before. But there was enough going on with these wise men that the entire city of Jerusalem was put questioning, wondering what was happening. Now, God put that star there. Amen. And uh, there's people that have gone through all the uh, astrological, astronomical, sorry, not astrological. We don't believe in astrology. Uh, 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 we believe in astronomy. That's the science. And uh, have talked about how that uh, there would have been a convergence of the planets about this time, and it would have looked as a great star right over Bethlehem and all that. And you know what? That may actually have happened. But did God really need that to, to make this thing come true? No. He, he did it all on his own. And whether he used Mars and Jupiter and Saturn coming together to get the job done or not, uh, I'm sorry, I just don't have the, uh, 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 I don't believe anyone has all the research necessary to prove or disprove that fact, but it did bring these wise men, and the thing we want to just get a hold of, the main point is, everywhere there is truth and real worship of the true God, there is a faith, fake worship of God. There is an imitation of the real thing. The devil is the world's best imitator. And you cannot see that more clearly here than as these wise men come seeking the truth. And by the way, wise men still seek truth today. Amen. If you're wise, you're going to want to know what truth is. You're going to want to worship the true God. But you're going to have opposition from those who have things going already. I mean, Herod had finally made peace with the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the people he had married uh, into the family of the high priest and uh, the Hasmoneans. Uh, if you'll remember the Maccabees and all of that, he had married into that family and he had manipulated and turned everything around to where he was now the king of the Jews and he had been rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem for uh, ten years now, and that would go for uh, a total of 60-some years 
they would be building the temple when Jesus was grown 30 years later they would have told him the temple had been building for 46 years so uh, do the math about 16 years at this time uh, that's enough time to make a pretty good relationship with people 16 years don't you think and uh, the temple in Jerusalem, Herod's temple, was considered one of the wonders of the world in its days, how beautiful it was and, and all of the things that were going on. And Herod didn't want anything messing up his rule and his reign. You know what the saddest part about the whole thing was? Neither did the scribes, the Pharisees, and the priests who ran the temple. They didn't want anybody messing anything up because they had a good thing going. And it really didn't matter whether God was involved or not. Boy, doesn't that sound like today's newspapers. I mean, that's what just goes on, isn't it? Uh, and we'll, we'll find as we go to this most ancient, it, it couldn't have been uh, two years after Jesus was born, these wise men come, but as always, those who truly seek to worship God will find Him because God has made a way. And those who want to play games and be religious and do what they want to do uh, will always stand in opposition to those who want the truth. That is a story nearly 2,000 years old. And yet, it's what's going to happen today. It, it's what has happened. Uh, people think the war on Christmas is a whole is a brand new thing. No, it's been going on since the days of Herod and the wise men. Don't get upset. You just keep serving and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. But I'm going to have Franz come and lead us in another hymn, and uh, I'll warn you, things are going to get worse before they get better. Brother Franz. Let's stand and turn to page 102, song 102. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee O Israel on the fourth O come thou key of David 
open wide our heavenly home make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery rejoice rejoice Before we get into this depressing part this morning, this is really the worst part of our story, let's just take a moment and ask the Lord's blessing upon our service today. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you once again, and Lord, we thank you for this special day. We thank you for each one that has made the effort to be here, and Lord, we ask that you would bless us that we might serve you more. We ask you to do your work in each heart, in each life here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the reason we're doing the service this way is because if we try to explain all of these things just in the Sunday school time, uh, we'd have to do it so quickly we wouldn't get through everything. And so we're just going to kind of go right through and try to have everything done uh, right about on time or maybe even just a little early today but uh, we take the simplest and the wonderful truths of the Bible and we move on to the time of the Roman Empire followed by the Dark Ages we have a huge amount of history and uh, several years ago uh, my grandmother uh, passed away and I was uh, told that I could have all of my pick of the books that had been kept, actually some of them for two or three generations before her uh, in the family. And, and I, as I was going through all the books, I found this, what I thought would really be a wonderful book to read someday. It was the greatest stories of Christmas from all around the world. I said, man, this is going to be a fun book. One of these days, I'm going to sit down and read that book. And it it sat on my shelf, I, I couldn't tell you how many years, but a, as we began planning and, and praying about what we were going to do this year with Christmas being on a Sunday morning, I said, I'm going to get that book and I'm going to find so many wonderful Christmas stories to share with everybody today from tradition and all of these things. And uh, I'll tell you, I have to be honest with you, this is one of the most depressing reads I have ever had in my life. Uh, as these quote-unquote Christmas stories. I mean, some of them were morbid. And uh, others were, uh, well, uh, we won't even describe some of the others. I mean, they were just, it was just garbage. I, I just couldn't believe in many of them. Almost all of them were tinted with fantastic, unbelievable, miraculous happenings. And... I began to think about why are so many of the Christmas stories, I mean, we even today, before we criticize those who lived long ago, uh, how many of you like the movie The Miracle on 34th Street? I mean, or It's a Wonderful Life and, and some of those Christmas movies that are out there. And, and uh, I mean, uh, It's a Wonderful Life is just a, a what we would call a feel-good story, isn't it? 
but do you really think that uh, Joseph is going to send an angel to uh, straighten out some poor guy who's... Do you think that's going to... Is that really the way things happen? Uh, no, that's not reality at all. But people believe that anything could happen on Christmas. Remember when you were a kid? I, I don't know. I, uh, I have long dealt with the issue, but I, I was rather upset uh, when I found out that Santa Claus was a myth. I mean, I, I really believed in that thing because I couldn't figure out how in the world all of those things that were supposed to happen uh, actually happened. And uh, the, the, the traditions of St. Nicholas and... And uh, by the way, you got to really stop and think about Santa Claus because Santa is feminine and Claus is masculine. Something's weird there. Um, and, it, and it just goes to show you all the weirdness that is around what has become Christmas. And, uh, and it all goes back to this time we call the Dark Ages. Now, there's a reason why the ages were dark. It's because this book, for the most part, to main society, was locked up. It was hidden. You had to be living in a monastery. Most people in Europe could not read. It, it was not a pleasant time. It was a time of disease. It was a time of the plagues. It was a time of, of, of just untold misery and ignorance. It was not until the 1600s when, when uh, what we now call the Renaissance came where people were actually encouraged to begin to read and they begin to throw off many of these traditions. And, and even today, we find ourselves hampered by long-held traditions. You know, traditions in many times, especially when... They become religious or religious in nature. Uh, traditions hide the truth. I mean, if you go digging deep enough, you can find something there. You know, it's like the um, uh, one guy was trying to tell me. He says, well, he said, you don't understand. You, you think the Bible is the only book that's out there. But everybody has a creation tradition. And, and many people even have a flood tradition. And, and they have all these ancient traditions. And you're going to say that the Bible is the only one. And I said, no. I said, but you got it all wrong, man. The Bible didn't come from their traditions. Their traditions came from the Bible. Amen. I mean, it's, it's all backwards. Their traditions prove the fact that all people at once understood there was a Creator. And all people understood they, they, there, there was a time on this earth when everyone knew someone that had been on Noah's Ark. And they told those stories. And the same thing happened at Christmas. We have the tradition of the little drummer boy. We have the tradition of the three wise men. Now, they weren't three, uh, as we said before. We don't know how many they were. They had three gifts. And uh, we have all of these fantastic things that have come down through the ages. 
And what we would like to do is not take time and, dism and dispel the myths. Because we'd be here till next Christmas just trying to list them all and then trying to dispel them uh, would take another several years. We don't have that kind of time. So what we'll do this morning is we'll just simply say, uh, the reason we sung this hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because that's an old Latin hymn. It, it dates back hundreds and hundreds of years. And uh, you also notice that the theology in this song is uh, incredibly wanting in certain places. Uh, but it, it's still a beautiful hymn, and, and the truth is here as... Jesus is the rod of Jesse. He's come to free us from Satan's tyranny. But Satan's tyranny is sin. And you know what? Each one of us brought that sin into our own life by our own free choice. We are sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. But let's not glory in that. Amen? Uh, let's, let's not use that as an excuse to go out and, and do some more sin because that's not what it is. I, I'll tell you one of the most profane traditions of Christmas and I don't is everyone likes to get their spirits out of a bottle I want my spirit out of the book amen I don't know where this connection of alcohol and drunkenness and Christmas came in but you follow it back through history and you'll find that anytime you turn your back on the truth there are no more barriers to how far from the truth you will go. And so let's not worry about what's out there in the realm of mythland or whatever you want to call it. Let's get back to the book and stick with those things that are written down in the Word of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Brother Franz, come and lead us in a happy song here. 104, stand if you would. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Come on, let's sing it. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, and thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove. 
the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love amen and you may be seated And as we're moving through time, we're going to leave the dark time of the dark ages. And the next is a 1776 Christmas. How many people know what happened on 1776 on Christmas Day? No, that was the 4th of July. No, Christmas Day on 1776... There was a battle fought. And uh, most of you will know it when I say it. But let's just go through the story. And uh, you'll catch up and get, get a hold of this. But it was the American Revolution. The Declaration of Independence had been sent to King George six months before. And uh, King George of England had one simple statement. I want every man who signed that Declaration of Independence hung from the nearest tree. Uh, the men who signed that Declaration of Independence, and if you want a, an incredible story of an American history, you study the lives of the men who signed that document. Every one of them lost everything they possessed physically. In fact, many of those men were wealthy merchants when they signed that paper and died in destitute poverty because of giving of their own personal wealth to the cause of freedom. Freedom is a wonderful thing, is it not? And the winter of 1776 was one of the darkest. In fact, it, it promised, if things went well, that there would be no America to have American history if things went well for the British. And yet we had a general, his name was George Washington. He was an a incredible man, but what made him so incredible was his faith in God. Now, I wish we had stories to tell, time to tell all the stories, but let me tell you what Christmas Eve, 1776, brought for General Washington. It brought nothing but discouragement. He was trying to get together an army to attack the Hessian uh, uh, forces, the mercenaries, the hired troops that the British had bought over here to fight the war. And as he was trying to get this, he had an army of 10,000 men on paper. He called the militia of Pennsylvania and was promised several thousand men and a couple hundred showed up. He was making final plans, and he, as he was issuing the orders, he asked about one of his own generals, General Gates, who commanded nearly half the force that was at his disposal. He got a message Christmas Day, a present from General Gates. He was on his way to see Congress in Baltimore. Of course, Washington knew what the purpose of his visit was. The purpose of General Gates' visit was to get Washington fired 
removed from his generalship and that everything that George Washington was trying to do given to General Gates. Merry Christmas, George Washington. Another, two, uh, another third of his troops, as they tried to cross the Delaware that night, Chris, the night of Christmas, uh, of, of, uh, it was actually the, the night of Christmas, they tried to cross the Delaware. Another third of his troops looked at the weather and said, we can't make it. Certainly a general would never go out in this weather. And so they just stayed home. Another one of his generals, General Reed, who later tried to take claim for some of the great victories that were fought at Trenton on December 26th, had actually written a letter to the British, uh, the, the, to the British general down across the river from Philadelphia and had asked for a letter of protection so he could come home and spend Christmas with his family away from the battle altogether. Now, you would think if you had all this befalling you, you'd put your head in your hands and cry and go home. Wouldn't that make sense? But he got together about 2,400 men, six cannons, and they spent all Christmas Day, 1776, preparing for the crossing of the Delaware. And just as they got there, night fell, and with it, came sleet and freezing rain and these men tried to get in the barges and go across. Now, imagine taking 2,400 men across a river as wide as the Delaware River. Now, the Delaware River at Trenton is probably somewhere close to what the Hudson River is here uh, in New York City. I mean, it's, it's not, you, you know, you're not going to just uh, swim across the river even in the best of weather uh, and the boats held about 80 men they would only hold one of the cannons each I mean they had to make repeated trips there were chunks of ice the river was freezing over as the temperature was dropping at night it was deemed by all all the Germ all the Hessian generals and everyone alike that no one in their right mind would be out in this kind of weather I'm glad General Washington was not in his right mind. Amen. They got across the river about 3 o'clock in the morning, only to be rewarded with a 15-mile hike to Trenton. The sleet now was coming down. The, uh, many, many of the men, the only thing they had to keep warm was their blankets wrapped around their shirts. One of his uh, secondary officers, as he brought up another troop to cross the Delaware, they said you could literally follow the path that those soldiers had tread by the blood in the snow from their feet. Two men froze to death on the march. Many of the men who subjected themselves to this kind of weather never fully recovered their entire life. One of the writers of history said, if it had not been that General Washington was a man of exceeding strong stamina and, and, and uh, strength, that this crossing would have never taken place. 
Make a long story short, they finally got there about 10 o'clock the morning after Christmas. They had been up for over 24 hours, marching through sleet, uh, freezing rain, sleet, snow. In fact, one of the, uh, the commanding officers who commanded uh, almost half of George Washington's troops said, we've done everything we can, we can't, our weapons are inoperable. And uh, he sent to George Washington hoping that President Washington, uh, that G General Washington would say, well, let's, it's, a, it's a lost cause, turn around and go home. He said, fix bayonets. He said, we're going to take Trenton today. And the wonderful thing about that was as the as General Washington's letter was read, the men reached down and fixed their bayonets without even waiting to hear from their commanding officer because they wanted him to know they were going forward. Now, there's a reason why they were willing to suffer these deprivations and do this battle on Christmas Day and the day after. The actual battle was fought December 26th. There's one little word. One of the greatest gifts a human being can possess, freedom. The issue of the revolution was tyranny. You say, tyranny? I thought it was taxation without, no rep without representation. Well, that's just one form of tyranny. And we could go through this morning, I could just talk about this all day long, but I, we, we're going to get to preaching before long, but we want you to understand there was a gift that was given to us Christmas of 1776 as men who were willing to give their lives. The most wonderful thing is we only had two or three men wounded in the engagement of Trenton. Two men froze to death on the march there. A third would have frozen to death, except friends saw him huddled in the snow. He had fallen into a ditch on the side. He was so tired. And they woke him up, and they brought him uh, along with him. If they had not done that, he would have, too, frozen to death that night. But they did so to give us freedom. And we want to think about that word because... It's a word that we as Americans treasure so much. Now we're going to move up about, oh, let me see, 70-some years, not quite 70 years, to the 1840s. And I don't know about you, but one of my favorite Christmas stories is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And uh, as I was thinking about just going through this, and uh, believe it or not, there's actually some biblical connection here. You just have to hold on. We're going to get there. But um, let me get my horn this morning. My wife and I had an arrangement of God rest you merry gentlemen several years ago. And I'm going to have to turn off this mic. But uh, I don't know of any song that's more connected with a Christmas carol than God rest you merry gentlemen. And if you want to look at the words, I think it's 113 uh, in your in your hymnal. This, this song's got some great words. It's an old English carol for an old English Christmas story. And uh, please forgive the mistakes because there'll probably be some, all right?
write that song. And uh, well, we'll get that later. Got to have a little comic relief, amen? Just drop my recap on the floor. But uh, How many of you know the story of the Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens? I mean, that's one you see every year. And old Ebenezer Scrooge and Jacob Marley comes and visits him on Christmas Eve because he had died seven years before. And he tells Scrooge that his only hope is he's going to be visited by three spirits. The spirit of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Christmas past, old Scrooge finds himself as a happy-go-lucky young man enjoying, uh, really enjoying life and living life the proper way. And then he sees that young man begin to choose money and miserliness over everything life has to offer. Christmas present comes and he sees his life as a miserable, old, lonely man. And then Christmas future comes and he is faced in Mr. Dickens' story with the idea of eternity. Now, according to Mr. Dickens, Mr. Scrooge reforms and lives in the spirit of Christmas every day and he is saved from his horrible fate. Now, there's a lot of, uh, shall we say, uh, underlying truth to Mr. Dickens' story. But I'm reminded of a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 16. And I don't know about you, but I'm a sentimental kind of guy. And I, I, I watch those stories, and man, if, if nobody's looking, I'll let a tear well up in one eye. If somebody's looking, I'll make sure that nobody sees it. But uh, uh, you, just, you, you just, you know, it grabs you around the heart to see that old miserable miser going out and giving his money away and helping people and doing good. I mean, it's, a, it's just one of those wonderful feel-good stories, isn't it? And, and we like those, but in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 16, we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. How many know that story from the Bible? Lazarus is the old beggar. He dies and he's carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom for Jesus has not yet ascended from the, uh, uh, the grave. I believe that this is a real story, not a parable. That these are real people in real events. And Jesus was seeing them as God. He knew what had happened and he just picked this story out of history to share it and you have that rich man who died and went to hell not because he was rich not because he was mean to old Lazarus but because he refused to listen to the word of God that's why he was in hell and as he's coming he's making requests of of everybody, you know, that's why God put that gulf between heaven and hell. Because he didn't want anybody losing the joys of heaven trying to help those who were in the sufferings of hell, and he did not want anyone from hell 
being able to escape one moment from God's judgment there because they had chosen that place of their own free will. You know, no one, no one gets to hell by accident. And by the way, we do not have a God that held a cosmic bingo game and the losers go to hell and the winners go to heaven. Oh, don't, we, we don't have time for Calvinism this morning, but what foolishness that is. But he has a request. In verse 27, he says, Then he said, I, I, I pray thee, therefore, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And as I thought about Mr. Dickens' feel-good Christmas carol, I mean, it's a wonderful story. I, I like it. Uh, I reread it a couple of times this year just to reread it because it's fun to read the story. But what it is, what it truly is, is what we have so much of at the Christmas season, is we go back to those dark ages and all those mysteries and traditions and miracles and miraculous things, and we say, maybe it'll still happen today. Maybe, maybe some miracle will happen. Well, I'll tell you, every time, somebody gets saved by believing this book called the Bible. That's a miracle. Amen. In fact, the children will be singing a song called The Miracle Continues that Joya wrote, and it'll be talking about that very subject, but that's on down just a little bit. But man always wants to find a way around God. God's not going to send you three spirits. He's only going to send you one. It's the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is only going to do one thing. Help you understand the words of this book called the Bible. You don't have to worry about speaking in tongues and jumping up and down and, and all those things. Don't worry about that. What you need are the words of this book. That is how you got saved. Amen? If you're saved this morning, could you say amen? amen? If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, your sins are forgiven, heaven is your home, would you say amen? amen. I mean, isn't that a wonderful truth? And aren't you glad you didn't have to see three demons to get it? <laughs> you only had to look at one. Well, we shouldn't say that, but the servant of one, and that's yourself. Amen? You had to get over yourself and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I like Charles Dickens' story. I like God Rest Ye Merry, gentlemen. And by the way, God Rest Ye Merry was a greeting in Old England. And so as you would walk down the streets, instead of saying Merry Christmas like we would today, you'd say, God Rest Ye Merry. And uh, that was the title of the song because the only place you're going to get rest is when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ.
according to the words of this book that God gave us called the Bible. Amen? Now we're going to move up in time a little bit. And if we could have Jennifer and Sarah come up here. In your, hymn, in your bulletin this morning on the other side are the words to the song that we're going to do. And uh, we're going to call this next section of our service the Christmas Bells. And uh, Andrew will point the words there. We're going to do a song that was written in 1863 or 1864. It's called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And look at the words as we play through the song this morning. bulletins open to the words there and uh, how many of you know the story of this Christmas carol that was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow uh, it was Christmas Day I am not sure of the year I believe it was either 1863 or 1864 he was in a hotel in the city of Washington DC uh, if you know your history, that was at the height, or actually we should say the depth, of the Civil War. Things were reversed on, on every, uh, every side, and uh, it did not look like uh, that the war could be won. There were many 
who were saying we just need to pack our bags, we need to make peace with the South, we need to realize that our country will never be one again. And on top of all of this despair and, and things that were going on, uh, Mr. Longfellow also had another great burden of his heart. His son, a Union soldier, had been grievously wounded in a battle. I mean, even going to a hospital in the 1860s was nearly a death sentence all in itself. Uh, there, uh, the most common treatment for a bullet wound in the war, in the Civil War, was you just got out a saw and you chopped off whatever the bullet hit. Uh, if, if it uh, happened to get into your midsection, a place they couldn't amputate, well, they just patched you up and a lot of times you died. I mean, it was, uh, it was a horrible, horrible thing. And here, um, Mr. Longfellow had found himself stuck in Washington, D.C., trying to care for his wounded son. And he was woken up by the bells of the churches of the city of Washington, D.C. And all of a sudden, it dawned on him. It's Christmas Day. And you look at the words. It said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now look at the third verse. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Could you understand how he would write those words? As a son, he didn't know whether he would live or die in a hospital as a country. Do you realize over 600,000 Americans were killed in the Civil War? That was a time when our population was not anywhere near what it is today. There was not a family in these United States that did not know someone who was killed during those five years of battle. And he, he just gives up hope. And then we find the truth coming forth. Yet pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will toward men. Then ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, good will toward men. That's beautiful hymn. It was written Christmas Day. I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact year. was not able to uh, get that information, but I, I believe it was either 1863 or 1864. And the other details are as they were related and, and are true. And uh, that's how we got this Christmas song. You know, Christmas and Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ has always been 
the only source of hope for mankind. We think of people who have long been imprisoned and fought battles, and even as this Christmas comes, we have 160-some thousand troops in Iraq. We have a great number, tens of thousands, I'm not sure the exact number, in Afghanistan, away from home, away from family, and yet what do they do? They say what we are doing is bringing freedom to these people. Now, you can argue about the war all you want, but uh, I'll tell you this. They haven't repeated September 11th since September 11th. And I praise God for that. And, and there's a reason. It's because the battle's been fought on other people's land and in other countries rather than on the streets of our cities. You need to pray for those soldiers and pray for our president. Yet, even in a time of great despair, guess what? God's truth never goes away. It is always there. It is the answer. And one day, as those angels told the shepherds the night Jesus was born, Jesus himself will descend from heaven and set up his kingdom here on earth, and there truly will be peace on earth, goodwill to men. Franz, come and lead us in 109. Stand with us if you would.
comes round the age of gold when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling and the whole world give back the song which now the angels sing amen and you may be seated And just to catch up everyone that is here, what we started at uh, 10.30 was to just go through the times. We spent a little bit of time on the earliest Christmas time and talked about the wise men and the difference between true worship and, and, and false religion. We then moved up to the Dark Ages and talked just a little bit about all of the uh, traditions and miraculous phenomena and things that people attached. One of my favorite stories was the 1776 Christmas that George Washington and the troops gave as they inspired hope and literally gave a rebirth to the cause of freedom, which was quickly dying. If, if it had not been for that Christmas present of that battle in Trenton, there would, the revolution would have ended in the winter of 1776 and there's not an honest historian that would hardly doubt that question there was just nothing left to do it but those men gave their lives and gave themselves and gave us freedom that we have today we talked about in the 1840s Charles Dickens Christmas Carol was written in 1843 and and in many ways it was uh, a statement against all of the ills of society of its day and how we ought to give up greed and just worship God. And yet the truth is not in spirits and all of these phenomena. The truth is in the words of this book called the Bible. And then we just finished with a Christmas in the Civil War. And the story I want to read you now it comes up about a hundred years and it's entitled, Christmas in a Prison Cell. And I just want to read this to you. As Christmas approached, Lieutenant Commander Ralph Gaither, an American prisoner of war in North Vietnam, longed for a Christmas tree to symbolize the meaning of the holiday. One day, while he was outside his cell washing his dishes, he saw a tiny green leaf on the floor blown inside by the wind. He managed to pick up the leaf with his toes and carry it into his cells without the guards noticing. Once he was safely inside his cell, he picked the leaf up from between his toes and examined it carefully. What a beautiful part of God's creation. It would be his Christmas tree to remind him of Christmas and all that it meant to him. A day or so later, Ralph Gaither found a tiny piece of bamboo and managed to smuggle it into a cell. He broke it in half and with a thread from his blanket tied the pieces together to form a tiny cross. Of course, his leaf Christmas tree withered, but he was able to keep the cross hidden from his captors for two years. A small green leaf and a crude little cross in a lonely bare prison cells, cell were visible symbols to the prisoner of war of an invisible reality, his faith in Christ. These treasured symbols reminded him of the gift of God's Son 
that have brought him eternal hope and everlasting life. Christmas is a time of hope. Now many people hope in foolish things. I want a brand new car for Christmas. Well, wait till you get the insurance payments. You won't want a brand new car for Christmas. Amen? You say, I want this and I want that. But I, as uh, this was actually in one of my children's readers, and my wife brought me the story, and I said, we've, we've got to save this for, for Christmas Sunday. I mean, this is a real story of a real American in prison. And, and by the way, they did torture in the North Vietnamese prisons. Real torture. And yet, these, this man here tells a story of finding a little leaf and saying, that's going to be my Christmas tree. But to me, the amazing thing is what lasted was not his leaf Christmas tree, but was the bamboo cross. And you know, the cross will bring you through any trial if you'll just look to it and trust in it. We're going to have the children come and sing a song that, uh, an arrangement, it's a Christmas melody, medley. And then we're going to have probably the most unusual visitor that we've ever had on Sunday morning in a church. But uh, Casey's coming. All right.
And uh, we've got our visitor here. And uh, this little section is called A Modern Christmas. Merry Christmas, Casey. Yes, yes, yes. Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas is the bestest day in the whole world. I've been waiting and waiting and it's finally here. Boy, you're really happy, aren't you? Oh, yes, I'm so happy, 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 happy. Today, today is the day of all days. Today I get everything I want. Everything? Yes, everything. I'm going to get a new rollerblades. And I'm going to get every single new video game that's out there this year. I can't even remember them all, but I'm going to get every single one. And I'm going to get a, a new hockey stick. And I'm going to get a new baseball glove. And I'm going to get, oh, I can't even remember all the things I'm going to get. It's just going to be so exciting. And my stocking is going to be so full. It will be bursting over. Ripping apart at the seams. I'm telling you, this is the bestest day in the whole, whole entire year. And I think this Christmas, because it's on a Sunday, will probably be like, like a miracle or something. And I'll just get everything I ever wanted. Now, Casey, uh, who, who, where are all these things coming from? I don't know, but I see a lot of people out there, and I'm sure that they all came to celebrate our family reunion or something. So we're all going to give gifts, and I'm sure I'm going to get the most because I'm the handsomest kid in the whole block. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait just a minute, Casey. Now, I think you're forgetting something. Christmas is more than just presents. Yeah, it's more presents. No, 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 no. You see, Casey, it's not just about giving gifts. Yeah, it's about getting gifts. <laughs> That's what I want. Well, Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus gave the best gift of all. He gave himself when he came to be in that manger. And then he was on the cross and died for our sins to give us eternal life. And Jesus said out of the Bible, you remember the Bible? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the best gift. And he shows us through that that we should be more ready to give than to receive. Well, there's just one problem. What's that? I, uh, I'm a poor dummy, see, and I don't have any money. So, sorry folks, but I guess you'll have to be the one that gets the blessing of giving because I don't have anything to give. Well, that may be true, but you know, just like Jesus gave himself, each one of us has something that we can give of ourselves. Well, if you want this stocking cap, I guess you can have that. Well, you know, um, Let's think here. Oh, wait, wait. I got it. I got it. I have something I can give you, folks. Now, just sit tight right there and give me a minute to, to get it ready, okay? Me, 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 Okay, okay, I'm ready now. You're going to give us a gift, huh? Yep, you ready? Yes. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun to get my presents on Christmas Day. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, need, you need to sing something serious. Why? Is, is this a funeral? I see all these flowers. 
no, no. This is church. Church? Why did you tell me here and there in my other my pajamas? You didn't tell me this was church. Well, it is. And I think you better sing something a little more appropriate. Okay. Okay. Do I have to warm up again? No, that's okay. You did enough warming up. Now, now sing. <laughs> sing something serious. Something serious. That's hard for a dummy to do. Let me think. Serious. Serious. Uh, uh, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. You ready? Yeah. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Poor little guy. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky that don't have any eyes look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the straw. I mean, hey. There. There, now I gave you all a gift, and you can't say I never gave you anything, and I don't know if I feel any more blessed, but at least you're blessed and that I'm done with my song. Yes, that's probably true, Casey. So uh, maybe you ought to go home and, you know, get dressed up and so you can be a little more appropriate and you need to practice your singing a little more. Yeah, I guess I do. And uh, I, I just have one more question, though. What, what's that? When do I get my presents? Because I have one. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I don't hear anybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Don't forget the presents. Don't forget. Okay. All right. Did you enjoy that, Paul? All right. Unfortunately, that's what Christmas has become in the eyes and hearts of many people. And it's just, what am I going to get? And of course, uh, we need to understand that Jesus came to give. And what we want to do is we want to give and as as people, there is part of the human nature that wants to do right and to help people. How many people remember the book of Judges? Every man did what? That which was right in his own eyes. Do you know, it doesn't say every man did that which was wrong in God's eyes. But that's what happened, wasn't it? Because when we set ourselves up as the standard and we determine what's right and wrong, we cannot help but offend a holy God. We are not the standard. We are not the authority that determines the difference between right and wrong. God is. And we're going to sing, have the children come now, and they're going to sing one more song. And uh, I promise you, I'll keep the sermon short this morning. But the name of this song is The Miracle Continues. i uh-huh. 
so far in the service is basically uh, one big long introduction to the morning's message and um, 
just want to read some verses. Let's start in John chapter 13. We're going to be almost exclusively in the Gospel of John this morning. John presents uh, a view of Jesus as the Son of God. And Jesus comes and, and of course, the, His birth is where all of the traditions and all of the connections of Christmas came about. And Yet here's what Jesus really wants for us to do. We look in John chapter 13. We're coming down to verse 34. He says, A new commandment. Now, a commandment is something God wants us to do. This is the new commandment. Verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And let's turn over the page, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Verse 17, These things I command you, that ye love one another. Now, that is the greatest truth in all of history. But let me ask you a question. Can you love another human being without the grace of God dwelling in you and helping you to love that human being. I challenge you today, that's not possible. It is God who is love, 1 John chapter 4. And as we, as human beings, explore this thing called love, and of course the world says the greatest thing that you can know and experience is love. I mean, you just look at how much is out there, how many things are advertised? I mean, they say if you wear the right perfume, you'll have all the right people caring about you. Is that? They even go so, they're even so foolish to say if you smoke the right brand of cigarettes, everybody's going to like you. No. Not in New York City anyway. You have to go outside. Um, I'll tell you. Foolishness. The whole world is seeking for love, is it not? And every one of us in this room has a desire to love and to be loved. We want that. There's a reason why we want that. It's because we were created in the image of God. And God, as love, has shown His love toward us 
And, and there's just enough of that image left that says we want to find somebody or somebody's. And, and we're not talking about just physical, lustful love, the world's thought. We're talking about the real thing here. We, we want to love people. We want to be loved by people. It is the most basic of all human needs. And here's where you're going to find it. In the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is the command that God has given to every person who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. To love one another. Now I want you to take just a moment and look around. Just look around. Come on. Turn the whole way around. Don't hurt your neck, but uh, just take a minute. I want you to look at the people that are here today, all right? Now, this is who you're supposed to love. Amen? Isn't it wonderful to be in love? I mean, we've had many people over the years. And in fact, uh, it's true of my family as well. I mean, I, I would rather be here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church than with just about any group of people I know on the face of this earth. This is my family. We, we are attached to each other. The Bible said we're members one of another. When we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and when we make that public commitment for baptism and, and we join together, I mean, this is not a denominational church where somebody down at headquarters tells us what to do. The responsibility of what happens at this church rests right here. In fact, somebody was, I can't remember who it was, was asking me the other day um, uh, about uh, the Baptist church. And, oh, it was uh, Gabriella's, uh, the lady that Gabriella lives with. And, and uh, I said, well, uh, our church, the way we do business is the church does business. Uh, the church has to make the decisions. Uh, we don't have a little committee that sits in an office somewhere and tells everybody what's going to happen. There is personal responsibility. You know why? Because love brings responsibility. There's a... I, I don't know if we have any... I don't see Gary here today. I don't know if we have any other golf players in the church, people who are just enamored with that sport and... You heard the one about the guy out on the course and this woman in her wedding dress comes waltzing across the golf course. And everybody, of course, is turning around and looking and she walks up to this one man and he says, I told you only if it rains. Did you get that? There's people that love that golf game more than they do anything else in this world. I found out that in Colorado, the golf courses are open year-round and people in sub-freezing temperatures will go out and play golf. I don't like golf that much. In fact, I purposefully don't like golf that much because I don't want to be entrapped by the game. My little brother, who's uh, uh, the associate, what is it, Sp associate athletic director and in sports information at Southern Mississippi. He knows a little bit about it. He said, don't ever play golf. He said, the problem is you'll fall in love with the game and that's all you want to do. So I've taken his advice. Now, I don't know how anybody could fall in love with a bunch of little sticks in a bag that cost so much money, but if, if that's your thing, be my guest. 
But God said, my love is not to be directed toward a game. It's not to be directed toward possessions that I have or would like to have. It's not to be directed toward an organization. The love that I have is to be directed toward people. Amen? And the greatest way that I can love a person today is to give them the truth out of this book called the Bible. It would be a sad place if you could come into a church and hear the preaching of the gospel and, and, and never once be challenged to leave your false religion and your traditions and put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's the only thing that will make the difference for you for eternity. You've got to have a living relationship with the living Lord. And that doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. Jesus said, except a man be what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I'll tell you, I have a birthday. It's not today. My birthday was in October. And I turned another year older. My spiritual birthday was in August. It was August 28, 1977, when I finally gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know your spiritual birthday, maybe you ought to take some time and investigate this thing. Because there's not a one of us in this room that has any question about being born. Amen? Because you're here. It, it's just a natural part. I mean, if you weren't born, you wouldn't be here. Uh, if you're here, it's a testimony to the fact that you're born, right? I mean, everybody go like this. Just take your right hand, put it up in the air. Everyone that just did that, that is proof that you were born, all right? Now... Do you have that same proof that you were born spiritually? You see, the life that Jesus gives is much better than the one you got from your parents because it lasts forever. It's not tainted by sin. It was given to you by a Savior who loved you so much that He gave His life on Calvary's cross and that love will change you. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you understand the world around you. It ought to change the music you listen to, the clothes you wear, the places you go, the company you keep, the things you put or don't put into your body, the words you use. You see, love changes behavior. Amen? There are certain things I try not to do. Because I know it would displease my wife. And I love my wife. There are certain things I do to try to please her because I love her. And the same with her. It is a relationship that we share with each other. There are certain things that I try never to do with my physical life because it would offend my Lord and I love him. Yet, I cannot be perfect. But he's already taken care of that on the cross. And I come to him and I confess my sin and he forgives me. And we move forward. Amen? 
But if you're here today and you were married and your husband came in and just said something mean to you only one time a day, every day. Ladies, would you like that? Just came in and said, you know, you're the ugliest woman ever in the world and just walks out of the room. There'd probably be a frying pan following, wouldn't there? (laughs) I mean, why would somebody do something like that just to be mean? I caught little Philip yesterday. Uh, Rachel had counted out all of her Christmas savings in neat little piles of change on the table. She'd been saving for months. Little Philip sees all those piles of coins. Little Philip is a terrible too. Emphasis on terrible. And he immediately climbs up on the table and grabs those little piles of coins and goes, whoosh, all over the place. And I got a hold of Philip, and I said, Now, Philip, that was just meanness, wasn't it? (laughs) He's honest. Mean, but he's honest. Do we do that to the Lord? Lord, I just don't feel like doing it today. I'm glad you're in church on Christmas Sunday. You know, some people just got up out of meanness and said, Lord, I don't feel like doing it today. Stay home. That's what that kind of stuff is. And God's love is the whole reason Jesus came. And if Jesus hadn't come, we wouldn't have anything to celebrate around Christmas time, now would we? We talked about the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages and all the traditions. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Are there any less uh, uh, the proper word is machinations of human depravity. That's the proper term. Anybody know what that that's things you make up inside yourself and give out to other people as is truth. I, I got my second letter today from the prophet Bud. <laughs> Some of you that were here. Uh, Thursday night, a a week ago, I talked about a letter I had received from this man in uh, California. He must have found our website because he was able to spell all the Russian words in Brother Gary's letter exactly correct. And uh, he he had to have copied it down off the website. Uh, But he talked about there's no devil. The only reality is there's a God and Prophet Bud, his servant. And I'm sitting here going... What a messed up man. But you know something? If I could show you a picture of the prophet Bud, everybody in this place would be rolling on the floor laughing. It is the funniest picture you've ever seen. You look at this guy and uh, you'd say, yeah, I can tell this guy spent time in prison. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is, I mean, mm mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I mean, there's just no way to describe this picture. I wish I had one. I'd show it up here and everybody would just be laughing, but we'd never get the service back. And uh, the simple truth is, there are people out there who are willing to believe in the prophet Bud and turn their back on this book called the Bible. How in the world could we be so foolish? How many people? 
260-some people followed Jim Jones to Guyana, South America, and drank poison Kool-Aid, and those that refused were shot with an AK-47? That's what really happened down there. All in the name of religion. How many remember Mr. Applegate and the plastic bags where 27 people in total, I believe, committed suicide trying to gain access to the mothership circling around the world? They gained access all right, but it wasn't to a mothership. It was to a place called hell. Not because they committed suicide, my friend, but because their faith was not in the Lord Jesus Christ. No one in the Lord Jesus Christ needs to do those things. Amen? Because there's always hope in Him. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. We talked about the American Revolution. The battle for freedom of tyranny. We have more freedom in the United States than in any other country in the world. And what do we use our freedom for today? Most of it for debauchery. We use our freedom to destroy ourselves. Why? Because it's not real freedom. Real freedom is freedom from sin. How many remember when you were in bondage to sin? When you couldn't stop? When it had a hold in you? When you did things that you didn't want to do, but you had to do them because you had no choice? That's what sin does. Jesus says, John chapter 8, verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I believe in freedom today. I believe in a freedom to worship God according to His Word. I believe in the freedom. I believe in women's rights. I believe in a woman's right to be a woman. Amen. And I believe it's a man's job to help her do that. And we've told the ladies here at our church, listen, uh, we're not, uh, we can't be perfect, can't do everything, but listen, your car breaks down, your you're, you have problems, you need somebody, you call us. I'll come. I'll, I'm, I've replaced batteries. Amen? I, I've fixed people's cars. I've helped them with things because, listen, we want our ladies to be ladies. We want them to have the freedom not to have to put up with all the things that the world has to put up with. It's a wonderful thing. Men, we want you to be free. We want you to be free from all of the filth in this world. We want to, this church to be a safe haven where you can come and concentrate on the things of God. Need I say any more? Ladies, you give us that freedom by conducting yourself as godly women. We protect and we help each other serve God. We have freedom from all of the wackos in this world. I didn't have to take 30 seconds to figure out the prophet Bud is a fake. You know why? Because it doesn't match up with this book called the Bible. Amen. 
I don't have to worry about refuting the Jehovah's sicknesses and, and the Mormons and all of these other things that are out there today. I don't have to give my salvation. I'm not here to dominate your soul. You do not have to confess all your sins to me, praise God. You can bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ and He's the one that forgives you and gives you freedom from them. We talked about Henry Wadsworth Fellow, Longfellow in the Civil War writing that poem that became the hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many times have you gotten a Christmas card that says, Peace on earth, goodwill to men? Or heard a song? We sang some this morning that talked about peace on earth, goodwill to men. And you always get some little kid on some radio station saying, All I want for Christmas is peace on earth. The only problem is it was some filthy communist that put him up to saying it. You see, that's the kind of peace the world gives. You can have peace in a prison cell as long as you're content to be there. Peace without freedom is slavery. And we live in a day when there are more people enslaved by governments and religion and the machinations of human depravity than at any other time in history. The famine in Somalia. Remember that? Black Hawk Down, all of those things. Was that a real famine? No. There was lots of food in Somalia. The problem was, there were a few little guys they called warlords that were hoarding it up and starving the people. Finally, after 27 years of genocide in the southern Sudan, our former Secretary of State, Colin Powell, finally called it by its real name, but the Muslims have been taking those who refuse to become part of their faith and pushing them into the Sahara Desert and letting them starve and die of dehydration because they will not become part of their religion. That's the kind of peace the world offers. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, if I have peace with God, I'm really not worried about anybody else. And my peace with God comes when I unconditionally surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when I win the victory, amen? The victory's over me. The victory's over... I no longer have to figure everything out. I can simply trust the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know, I just love that story about the bamboo cross. He found a little leaf. That would be his Christmas tree. The leaf withered, but his bamboo cross stayed around for two years. Could you imagine hiding two toothpicks from a guard because if he found them, he'd take them away from you and beat you on... Uh, without any mercy. 
because that was part of the torture that our soldiers went through. Many of them came home and they were never right again, mentally and emotionally, because of what happened to them over there. Oh yeah, and some people did some wrong things, some people took drugs, and some people did a lot of wicked things over there. We don't make excuses for anybody here. But I'll tell you, there are an awful lot of people that found hope. That one soldier found hope, airman actually, in a little bamboo cross. It was the only thing he had to remind him of his faith in God. I'm glad God is there when there is no hope. Let me read a verse to you out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, it says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope which is set, the hope set before us, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. The hope that is the anchor of my soul is that Jesus has paid the price for my sins and that he's coming back. The promise that he is my Savior, that he has a personal interest in me. I just can't comprehend that. I'm glad it's true. I believe it. I'm glad I don't have to understand it all to experience it. Amen? It is just a simple trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus gave the story of the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee prayed to God and said, God, I'm glad that I'm so good and you're so pleased with everything I do. The old publican just smote upon his breast, wouldn't even lift up his head and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That man found salvation. It's not the words. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You have to have both. But that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's my hope. I am so glad I don't have to trust in the Democrats or the Republicans or, Lord forbid, the independents, the moderates. Oh, my. My trust is not in politics. My trust is not in human government. Now, I'm an American. I'm proud of it. Make no apologies for that. But sometimes I have to apologize for America, especially when I talk to God. I'm not apologizing to Osama bin Laden or any of those guys. Sorry, I'm not that kind of American. Uh, and if, if that offends you, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. But I, I'm not here to make Allah feel good because if you follow everything Allah says... You can be the most holy man in the whole religion of Islam, but you're still going to hell without the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the truth. I'm not here to endorse something that's going to get you sent to hell. That's foolish. That's not love. That's not hope. 
That's not freedom from human imagination. That's not peace. That's not hope. Here's what Jesus said. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Isn't that what everybody's looking for? They think they're going to find it in an Xbox video game. What is it, Xbox 360? I don't even know the names of these things. I don't want to. I walked through the aisle one time and just took a look at some of the video games that they offer. I said, you know, I have no business being here looking at this stuff. Boy, this is terrible. That was at Toys R Us. Now, everybody's going to go there this afternoon. What pastor is he? Don't go there. Don't worry about it. But I'll tell you, they sell games at Toys R Us that are rated mature audiences only. That's not a toy, my friend. That is a weapon of the destruction of your heart and soul. It is a sewer pipe hooked up to a vacuum cleaner. You're going to get sucked in if you're not careful. That's what the world offers. Oh, I'm living. I'm going to get in my little car and I'm going to drive down the highway at 155 miles an hour. And I've got my uh, whatever and my music playing and I'm enjoying life. Until that concrete bridge abutment comes up too quick. Then you're in eternity. That's not living. You know, sin, when it is finished, what? Bringeth forth death. You pick the sin. It'll kill you. That's why God calls it sin. Jesus said, I've come to give that life, to give you life, that, you, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I'll tell you, I have life. Amen? And it's abundant. You'll just have to come and eat dinner with us. When you sit at the table with ten kids, that's abundant. Amen? I mean, they're everywhere. We have to make sure where we set people because, you know, have to ask Stevie and some of the other. Now, you're not going to smear anything on Mr. Gary when he sits down beside you, are you? And uh, he promises not to for once and uh, usually gets done. But... Uh, I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade my life for anybody for anything. Because Jesus gives life. And that life is abundant. And it's free. It's free from regrets. You know, the most wonderful thing about serving Christ is you'll never get up in the morning and wonder what you did when you didn't know what you were doing. You'll never have to worry about that. Because you'll be in total control of all the sense, however much or little you may have, at all times serving Christ. Amen? I don't need to go down and spend $15 on a little bottle of spirit so I can be happy. And then feel really sad afterwards. I can talk to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We, we live in a sad and despairing world, do we not? There's an awful lot of rotten things going on. There's a lot of suffering out there. 
And I don't mean to, to glory in the, the wonderful things that God does because the wonderful things that God does is not because those people are suffering. You know, most of the people that have all this stuff and they want to talk about their riches and their cars and their houses, a lot of them got that money by stealing it from the people who don't have anything. You ever wonder why a politician will spend $8 million for a job that only pays $250,000 a year? You ever did that kind of math? Would you allow some, would you take a job if your boss said, now listen, I'm going to pay you $250,000 a year for six years, but you're going to have to spend $8 million in order for me to give you that job. Would any of you in your right mind take a job like that? That's what our politicians do every time, every so many years. Something wrong. That's not life. Is it life to take what you believe and say we're willing to compromise on that so we can make a deal? That's not life. Jesus gives us freedom from all of those things. I can be simple, clear, knowledgeable, and most of all, honest. And serve the Lord in these days and times. That's life. Amen? And I can know that my kids will benefit from that life. And I can know that people around me will benefit from my choices. And I can know that our church will go forward as more people make those simple choices. Let me just ask you a few questions. There's a phrase you're going to hear many times, already have heard it. I wish every day of the year were like Christmas. Well, we've gone through Christmases all the way through history since the first until today. And everything the world has tried to seek and provide by Christmas, Jesus already has. I have everything the world wants. So why would I want anything the world has? Why would I want that? When I already have everything they wish they had. Let me ask you a question. Do you have life? Do you have peace? Do you have a hope that keeps hoping when all is lost? Because it's never all lost with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have freedom from tyranny? Freedom from other people's thought processes and their plotting and their planning and their desire to entrap and ensnare your soul and your thought processes? Do you have God's love living in your life every day? If you do, then guess what? You love other people. Now, we don't claim to be the easiest group of people in the world to love. Amen? But all things are possible with God. Amen? I mean, you've got to be honest. We're human beings. 
We've got things. We've got prickles. We've got problems. We've, we've got rough edges. But guess what? We can love each other in spite of it because Jesus said so. We share our salvation and we'll share eternity. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this service that you have given us this morning. We thank you for the things that we've been able to look over. And Lord, my prayer is that we would not just look over these issues and things, but Lord, that we would experience your love and your freedom and your peace, your hope and that life, the abundant life, the more abundant life that you want to give us. Praise God, that more abundant life does not possess... Can, uh, is not made up of what we have in our bank book and in our closets. It's made up of what we're going to share with you for all eternity. Lord, we just ask that you would take this simple message and encourage us not to live in what the world calls the spirit of Christmas, but to live in the truth of Jesus Christ every day of the year. Lord, we pray that if there be any here today that is not saved, that today would be the day they would trust you as their Savior. We ask you to do your work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you'd come and lead us in 105. The song is, O come all ye faithful. Maybe you just need to come to an old-fashioned altar and spend a little time with the Lord this morning. If you do, step out on that first word. If you're not sure about your salvation, would you come and let someone take this book called the Bible and show you how you may know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. As we sing, will you come? Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, born the King of angels. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. We'll just have the piano continue to play. If you need to come and pray, now is the time. Let's not be long this morning. have come, there's still time for more. We're never in a hurry when it comes to dealing, doing business with God.
And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Now tonight we'll be doing things a little different in that our 6 o'clock service, uh, we're going to just uh, postpone that till next Sunday night. We're, so we'll have no service tonight. I uh, challenge you to spend that time uh, with uh, family and friends and encourage people in the love and the blessings that God has given you. And um, then we'll be back here Thursday night for our regular evening service. We're going through the prophecies of Jesus' death and resurrection. And then uh, Saturday night, New Year's Eve, we'll gather here together at 7 o'clock. Now that's a half hour earlier than our normal service at 7 o'clock. And we're going to do our best to have everything over by 9.30 so that uh, you can get home and get a good night's rest and uh, not sleep through our service 10.30 the next morning. Amen? And uh, then on Sunday, January 1st, we'll have all of our regular services. And at this time, if we could have the ushers come, uh, we'll receive our morning's offering. Brother Teddy, would you ask God to bless the offering? Let's stand together, Brother Franz, as we're dismissed. Will you lead us? Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven.
Christmas, everyone, and thank you for being here.